Hello, I'm here today with uh, Trevor, Chief Constable uh, of Beds Police, and I've had a fair bit to do with the police over the years. Um, I'm a volunteer uh, for the IAG, which is the Independent Advisory Group to the Police, and we're kind of like a critical friend to the police. We kind of point out things to help their community relations, and so I've asked Trevor whether we could meet up and discuss the Casey Report and Beds Police part of that. And so um, before we go any further, I I think humanity is a really important thing that gets lost in a lot of these. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's important to meet Trevor a little bit as, as who he is as a person and then go on from there. So, so Trevor, what is it like being Chief Constable? Is it like the best thing in the world? You've got your feet up, relaxed. Is that the kind of thing it is or how would you describe it? Well, it's a bit of both of those two things. So it isn't the feet up and relaxed, <laughs> um, uh, which I, I know you know that, Nigel. Um, but um, it's... It's a real privilege to do this job. Um, Bedfordshire Police are a great organisation. There's um, men and women who work for us, who volunteer and work alongside us, who do amazing things and who change people's lives and in some instances save people's lives on a daily basis. So be the person that is you know, ensuring that they've got the tools, guidance, direction, resources that they need to be able to um, deliver that service to the public of Bedfordshire and to keep that service improving is is a real privilege actually yeah um, you know as you know I live in Bedfordshire yeah I've got two kids they go to school in Bedfordshire so I, I'm invested in the county as yeah. I'm invested in the service that we provide and I want you know when I'm in the playground or I go down my local pub or whoever I'm talking to people mention policing and want it to be heard in a positive way Um, and you know what we do is challenging Um, so it's certainly not boring Mm -hmm. um, but it is a a great privilege um, and this is a really good force and it's a it's a great county yeah, um, and so did you leave school just with the idea of, yay, I'll be a police officer, or uh, was that a goal? Was that something you felt then, or how did you end up here? Um, I guess I had an interest in it as, as a sort of, you know, teenager. Um, but I, I, I left university um, when a lot of my friends were going into, you know, um, to work in London for different companies and things like that and that didn't at that point didn't appeal to me and I thought I'd, I'd really need to scratch this itch uh, and go into policing um, and at that point that might not have been forever but it's turned out for me it's a, a lifelong vocation I've entered my 29th year of service um, as we sit here um, and that has been you know it was never a plan to be a chief constable I can assure you of that I've spent most of my career investigating things you know I've worked in some really um, specialised environments and dealt with some really tricky crime but I've very much been at that end of things for the majority of my service in, in the latter years of you know had the privilege and um, to have um, you know moved into what is a very senior position in policing um, but actually I think that journey that experience has, has served me well yeah um, and this force this is a special force I've been here since 2019 um, it is it's big enough here that there is everything that happens in policing happens in Bedfordshire 
um, whilst the force itself is of a size where it is possible to know everyone, and that's that's really valuable, I think, as a as a, as a leader of, of policing. And and I, I totally agree about Bedfordshire. I think there's a lot of solutions in this area that would work for the whole country, yeah. and there's a, a lot of those dynamics. So it's it's really a, a smaller setting, but there, I think there's national yeah. things that can come from it. Um, just 29 years of policing. You must have seen a lot of joys and a lot of sorrows. What, what pops in your head when it comes to joys and and sorrows in that time? Um, well, I think, you know, in terms of joys, you work hard on cases. You work hard on cases because bad things have happened to people and you want justice for them. And, you know, there have been some really fantastic operations I've been in. There's, you know, people involved in really serious and organised crime that I've worked on and knowing that actually you've overcome their level of sophistication they've sought to evade law enforcement and have got what is a really good result um, those are rewarding times if, if you have uh, had a journey like mine uh, and, and equally if you know that you're getting justice for a victim that really needs that um, in, in you know but, it, you know, and in terms of lows, you know, I, I've lost a colleague of mine in, in a policing operation, um, which is really difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that just highlights that actually it's a risky business. And um, when, you know, we're asleep tonight, there'll be police officers going into difficult, challenging situations. And sadly, all too often I see my officers get assaulted. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's something I want the courts to take really seriously because it seems to be an increasing issue um, for society um, uh, but also as you know as you mentioned at the start there's there's there've been challenging issues for policing and now is the moment where we really need to be um, on the front foot in terms of building confidence um, with communities and particularly those communities that historically have had the least confidence in policing yeah um, and in Bedfordshire, we don't do policing to the community. We do it with the community. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, 29 years of experience, lots of highs and lows. The Casey Report, mm-hmm. which you're um, sort of coming, it almost brought us into. <laughs> yeah. Um, that um, report, when I read it, mm-hmm. seemed very stark, very blunt, seemed to hit like a piece of two by four between mm-hmm. the eyes boom um, I know folks in their 20s I've got daughters in their 20s the confidence in the Met policing and so on has, is fairly low and um, as females as, as well mm. um, and so the Casey report came out um, I'm just sort of looking at it uh, I can look at it with my eyes I, c- mm-hmm. I can see things there that I think wow okay that doesn't surprise me at all. What would you say the biggest surprise looking at the Casey report was for you? Was, was there one? Was it just you knew that anyway? Um, I guess as, as a chief, we we were you know made aware by um, Sir Mark in terms of what was coming, um, and I think that's important um, that that was the case so that we could because this reports into the Metropolitan Police, into policing of London. But obviously there are things in that report. A, these things spill over and the public don't always see um, forces by geographic area. They see the police. 
Um, and uh, what I'm also, you know, culture has been a priority. It's my number one priority, and it was a priority of the former chief here. So we are on a journey, and I've been really focused on this for a few years. So I might be a fairly new chief, but I am kicking on where good work was done done before here in Bedfordshire, directly focusing on some of these issues. So whilst that report is, uh, you know, it is I totally understand the concern of the public and I'm rightly concerned at reading the 350 odd pages of that report of the content what I'm not doing is sitting here saying there's nothing to see here because we have had some of the problems in Bedfordshire um, that was that was seen in that report but we've also been doing a lot of things to address the cultural issues um, that are highlighted in that report in policing so you know, it's really nice to have the opportunity actually to kind of discuss it through that lens because I want the public of Bedfordshire to have a better visibility of what we're doing. Yeah. And so, so I mean, let me ask a, a difficult question, something that was in the press. Does it feel a little bit, looking at the Casey report, I'm assuming you've looked at that in detail because it's your, your kind of thing, and especially looking into culture, but... Um, is it the kind of thing where the public are viewing it and saying, insert police force here yeah. <laughs> instead of the Met Police? And are there areas you feel Beds Police are doing better than the Met on? I'm not, don't, not wanting to land you in it with Met commissioners and all mm-hmm. the rest of it. But in, in some ways, are there some elements you feel don't apply and, um, and, and what are those? I'm guessing scale is a big one. I'm guessing some of those things play into it, but are there any things in the Casey report you feel don't apply to beds? You, you know, the, the, the Casey report highlights real problems in culture, um, and, um, you know, I can only speak for Bedfordshire. Mm. So have we seen issues of misogyny? Yes. Have we seen issues of racism? Yes. But there's a position on that. There is no room in this organisation... Uh, and you know this force has taken a really robust position mm-hmm. on those things and in yeah. fact it was only um, maybe three years ago where we sacked a senior officer for abusing his mm-hmm. position um, and so that is that's there is no room um, in this organisation for anyone who holds any ism um, you know and I'm committed to rooting um, that out of the organisation but do I think we've made big progress and I can draw comparisons? Yes, because if I look at the experience of people in our organisation, I can see a very different one to what I read there. Uh, and, you know, I'll quote, um, I think the report talks about the likelihood of black or Asian colleagues being referred to professional standards, for instance. Mm-hmm. A disparity there is a significant number. I don't. I don't quite remember what it was. Um, we had, you know, we looked for that here. I looked for it personally and found that a, a, a few years ago. Um, and as a result of processes we put on and investing in leadership at every level and talking about how this plays out in the work in the workplace, sharing lived life experience of some colleagues. You know, at a time where 
I think we were you were twice as likely to be referred to professional standards. Mm-hmm. Now you are no more likely. So we've identified a disparity in our in internally in our organisation on and we've looked at it, we've focused on it, we've spoken it, we've brought it to the surface of conversation. And, you know, one of the beauties about the size of this force is I have been able to speak to pretty much every member of staff, certainly spoken to all the leaders about this, and then we've noticed change, a positive change for the experience. So if you identify... Um, a, a disparity and you're able to remove it that's a positive one and, and you know not just disparity now but you know when we have people from underrepresented groups joining Bedfordshire Police we really focus on their experience because it needs to be a good one we want people of difference to join this organisation and we don't expect them to leave it at the door yeah and so, I mean, you invite you as the exec invited me to one of your training sessions on that. Be you, um, mm. which is be yourself. Yeah, bring who you are as a person to the force, rather than the force trying to mould you into a shape that just one size fits all. Yeah, and so it was um, encouraging to hear because I've sat in on a lot of things over the years um, which needed that. And um, my, my group that I've worked with, the, the IAG, is a very diverse group. We've been called into a lot of settings to comment on things, mm-hmm. very often confidentially, uh, to help bring a community perspective into mm-hmm. things, which is part of you guys being open. Um, you can't be open about mm-hmm. everything, but you're open about a, a fair bit of things yeah. that we've been in over the years. We can comment on what we're invited into, really. But with that, um, that conference of BU... And it was caring for officers. You had, um, um, I'm just trying to think of the guy's name who wrote Blue, uh, the book on policing and, and some of the, neg- the, the emotional aspects of that. Um, and, and you also had this sense of trying to bring yourself to policing, which helps create a diverse police force. I don't know, is there anything you want to say on that from your perspective? No, you came to those, those events, Nigel, and, you know, they spoke over 12 sessions to pretty much the whole workforce. Uh, since then, you know, that's not... We've done that. We've, we've said that, so, you know, that box is ticked. This is, this is a constant message. And as I say, I said at the start, investing in leadership at all levels of your organisation. Right now, we've got a, quite a young organisation in terms of service and age profile because we've grown quickly over the last few years. That needs good leadership when you've got a, a large part of your workforce that's looking for role models. So right now we are focused on the first line leaders in our organisation because your immediate boss when you join an organisation of this nature is an important person in your career. Um, but So therefore, rightly, we're investing in those individuals so everyone is going through a pro, uh, uh, continuous professional development program that starts with a week's uh, input that first day of that input is the first half day is delivered by me and my team Mm -hmm. where I set out my expectations of them as a leader Mm -hmm. Um, and and again it's closed with, with questions and answers and whilst there's some elements of that that enable them to be an effective sergeant or staff equivalent the majority of it focuses on culture and looking after our people so that they can look after the public and knowing your people 
value in difference. So and making them, you know, helping them to be really effective, inclusive leaders. Um, so it's that, you know, so that builds on. Uh, we did a session with chief inspectors who were the middle managers. Mm-hmm. You know, because you could have that scenario where I, I talk a really good game, you know, and the officers are the sergeants are here in this. And then there's a kind of bit in the middle where it doesn't go up and beyond if you're not careful. So you've got to focus mm-hmm. at every level of the organisation on on culture. And if you get that right, your standards, your service to the public yeah. and your crime fighting is going to be... Yeah, so, so I've heard people on culture yeah. change in the NHS and things yeah. like that. And one of the things that they say is very often if the people at the top get it, mm-hmm. that's really helpful. New recruits are easy to train and yep. bring in, but it's that middle group in the middle that are really difficult mm-hmm. to get um, culture change into. And has that been an experience of Beds Police, or have, has your method of going through CR, uh, um, chief inspectors and others, do you feel that's broken it down? Do you feel you're getting results? We're, we're definitely getting results. Um, and, you know, I went and sat on a team briefing last night in Luton uh, a room with an inspector sergeants and full of um, young officers um, really motivated really engaged really talking about the service they're providing to the public and I actually thought this this is you know this is some of the finest policing I've seen I was really proud of those individuals and I had every confidence that they were going to go out there and engage with our public you know sometimes you're meeting people at the worst day of their life in crisis but they do that with compassion and professionalism because you know and they know you know part of our commitment in lines with you know the plan of action on race is really effective involvement of the community of scrutiny everything they do is recorded on body worn video rightly so because it provides evidence but it also enables really effective scrutiny and if you know who's using their powers and who they're using it on and then you're able to watch the execution of that and you're unable to have the public watch that and the public from you know good representation from um groups who perhaps need um, to have more visibility of what the police are doing um, then that helps build confidence and trust and it's a really good feedback mechanism to the officers we don't just find someone who hasn't used their powers right we find the ones that do it brilliantly as well and tell them yeah. so so I, I've got loads of questions for you but I'm, I'm going to try and streamline a little bit um, I've been invited into some groups that have dealt with your internal discipline of officers, I just wonder if you could tell us what's the process. How do you, how do you find the Met? Obviously, their discipline methods they, they said were not effective, um, and and they need to be looked at again. But in policing, when you discover something goes wrong, yeah, and 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 this happens in all societies, all cultures, all <laughs> different offices, all different settings. Mm-hmm. What's the process that happens? And maybe you can also feed into that a little bit about Bluebell as well and yeah. some of those things. So, obviously, there's a number of ways we can, we, you know, so I'll give you a kind of overview and I'll try not to go on too long. Um, but 
if a member of the public's telling us something's not right, then we will treat that as a complaint and we will look into it. And depending on what the nature of that is, we'll be depending on whether it's looked in by a supervisor on the front line or whether it goes to a professional standards department. Clearly, if it was a criminal in nature, then that would be you know treated really seriously. But any complaint from the public is looked at first and then an appropriate response put in place. But one of the things, you know, in an organisation like this is you're often with another person. You're often being, you know, working as part of a team. And that's why you need a culture of upstanders, not bystanders. Um, you know, our, our policies uh, is ones of proactivity, not being bystanders. But you also need to have um, ways of people to be upstanders where they can do that with confidence. So you mentioned Bluebell. So that looks at people who may have, you know, may have been, you know, a victim of an inappropriate sexual advance or misogynistic behaviour. And that allows people to come forward and say, this is not right and and help me to address it. Mm -hmm. You know, so we shouldn't we shouldn't need to have those things, but we must have them to make sure that we create the environment for people to step forward. And in Bedfordshire, that's an initiative that we've done. We have champions across the force and allies, and we've had a good number of people come forward and use that to really good effect. And the feedback from those people is, I was listened to, I was believed, I was supported, and the force did something about it. Um, so you know we've got a number of ways you know i'd like people to just come forward but if they want to come forward in a way that they feel they can have a degree of anonymity and support those things are in place uh, and it's really well signposted yeah um i want to uh, i think that's one of the things with how culture change happens it takes a long time and it's very hard to measure it's very hard to know the culture has changed. And I think one of the things I found traveling around the world, I become more aware of my own culture when I meet other cultures. Mm-hmm. And and then I find out things about my culture mm-hmm. because I'm blind to it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And and I just wonder, um, you know, new people coming in, um, do you use those people to assess your culture? Or how do you assess the change in culture and, and that things are moving forward in racism or you know, not being racist in, in, not, in, in, in not being misogynistic not being homophobic all those things how do you measure that? Yeah so one thing that the police is able to do is collect lots of information mm-hmm. you need to make sure you're collecting the right information and you look at it the right way and you ask the right questions of it um, but you know, in terms of new people coming in, certainly the message to them is we we spend a lot of time talking about values and then the values of the organisation. Yeah. And from day one, we make it really clear that if you seem doesn't matter how experienced someone may be in comparison, if you find anyone not acting in line with the values of this organisation, that you call it out and you will be supported. So certainly, that is the culture that we promote um, and what I can see is that that happening mm-hmm. um, yes you know we will bring the conduct machine into action have done you know in the last since 2020 I think we've either dismissed or would have dismissed had they not resigned 10 people or 10 
from this organisation. Um, but nevertheless, if you can address things early, you can set a tone where behaviour um, that's you know they say that culture is the worst behaviour a super you know a leader's willing to walk past. If, if no leaders walking past that kind of behaviour, then you tend to avoid things developing into, you know, a getting away with it, and therefore it's okay, and you know that kind of culture. So that's that's one of the things where, you know, as I said to you at the start, I'm not saying there's nothing to see here. We, you know, we've got blue bell, we've got it for a reason. We've got other, you know, other support groups. We want to see any live life experience but what I get is um, when I talk to our staff um, and we you need to create as many safe forums to do that which we do and then the overall experience here is a positive one and it's certainly um, you know the case for many many of our individuals from black Asian minority ethnic backgrounds and other individuals of, of any other difference visible or non-visible um, that is that that is the tone here and very much you know it's a fact and this is the conversation we have with the workforce organizations that are inclusive and are diverse and inclusive they outperform ones that aren't mm-hmm. because you you use those differences um, to your your best skills one of the big advantage we've got in Bedfordshire is the diversity the knowledge and the support of the community mm-hmm. who are you know many people like yourself Nigel willing to give up time willing to give advice knowing that we won't always follow it but also who deserve an explanation mm-hmm. as to what we've done why we've done it and we get great support um, from our communities we get invited to pretty much everything which I you know seek for us to accept in every way we can and you know spent last night at iftar at berry park mosque you know which is really important that's that's not a, that's a necessary thing to do um, because you need to be spending time with communities and building trust when there isn't a challenging issue so that when there is you already have that trust and that conversation is effective yeah. so um i'm just thinking about communities that have seen police as harmful in yeah. the past and there's a long history of that going back to the 60s and, mm-hmm. and so on. What, what are, um, in, in terms of restorative justice in situations, restorative justice is a process that you guys began, I think, mm-hmm. um, some time ago as a police and sub passed on to the Police and Crime Commissioner's office. But in, in restorative justice, the power imbalance has to go and it has to be victim-led. Mm-hmm. But policing has to stay in the position it's in. So in restoring community trust, Mm -hmm. you can attend events and so on, but in in really getting communities in, um, how does the the pain and the Mm -hmm. discomfort that's in communities get addressed, do you think? It's a tough question. No, it's it's, it's a good question, Nigel. And I think, let's, let's talk about the black community. And I single the black community out because the fact is, our black communities across the UK, but in, in here in Bedfordshire, are the communities who have had the lowest confidence in policing, and for good reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, if you bundle every community up together, then you're not necessarily understanding the different issues of different communities. The black community right now is the is the community that deserve 
extra effort and engagement um, to build that trust. And there's reasons for that because if we look at, you know, issues such as stop and search, a very emotive issue um, for our, our black community. And that's why it's important that we are in the room with different members of the community as many times as possible listening and genuinely listening to their experiences but also sharing with them what we're doing so that if we go on to stop and search you know that is, has a history um, with with the community or certain communities are feeling over policed and under protected what we're able to do here is involve the community in the scrutiny and the use of that power mm-hmm. as I've already said and they can watch footage of it being used they can look at the data and I can tell you now here and now the data is you are more likely to be stopped and searched in Bedfordshire if you're black than if you're white in fact in Luton you are twice as likely two times is the ratio that's the lowest level of disparity across policing that I am aware of and it's the lowest I've seen it here it's continued to go down. I want it to be no more likely. Yeah. But it's important to be honest and upfront about the conversation and the circumstances and actually the nuance of the numbers. Um, because, mm. you know, it, it, but we are using that tactic more and the disparity is going down. Yeah. We're using it appropriately in, and where we're not, we identify that and we look at it. Um, so, but you need to have those conversations before we can then move on. Because if that, if you if you don't going to have that conversation, it's difficult to then move on and say, why are you not encouraging your son or daughter to join the police? Mm-hmm. Um, you need to address those things first. So, and interestingly, I looked at the same figures, and in in Luton, if you're Asian, mm-hmm. you're no more likely. Now that's the first time we've got to that point so this disparity you know and I, I only I've only picked out one issue yeah, yeah. but it is an important one for so, the community so just on that issue I think mm. what I have heard in communities is the car stoppages <laughs> of certain communities yeah. now that's not something measured in the same way as stop mm. and search but in in terms of that so I mean I just imagine your job's quite huge in trying to get all these things mm-hmm. working um, it's, it's a very difficult task. And that's why you have to look at, you, it's what next? So we've done that with stop and search. We're doing it with use of force. The use of force has to be broken down. We don't just need to look at who used a taser. We need to look at who drew the taser and who yeah. do they point it at and what circumstances. And if it wasn't used, um, and, and it but continues to be drawn and not used... Uh, you know what does that tell us the, the road traffic stops we are looking at now uh, in the same way and the next place I want to look is when we um, use our powers under the mental health act which one sadly we are using more and more and more because if you you need to understand what your data says so you know where to look yeah. um, so that that's something we're absolutely committed to doing here and doing it with the public and I want people from communities who are affected to be involved in the scrutiny of that um, and our officers and staff know that we're doing this and it's important they know it but it's not meaning they're not using it we're just making sure it's being used to prevent and detect crime yeah. and that, I'm pleased to say is going really in the right direction 
But I think it's it's also when you get communities on board, yeah. you find out more information, you can detect crime, you can do things more. And I think looking at the Casey report, looking at what you're doing in Beds Police and being part of the journey, critiquing that along the way, <laughs> um, in that, um, I think it, the future of policing is far more with community. Mm-hmm. And that, that dovetailing together on, on issues actually brings a much more powerful response rather than this removed from society almost. Um, you've got this kind of view that a young guy would become a policeman, get a bicycle and get stuck in some house way out in the middle of nowhere kind of view of policing removed from the community. But that integration with community, that working with different, getting feedback and things, do you see that as the future going forward? Do you, yeah. What, what so do you I, see ahead? So we need lots of specialist capabilities, you know. We need to keep people safe from threats online. You know, fraud is very much enabled by the cyber and the internet. But nevertheless, community policing is a really, you know, is a, is an integral part of or a hallmark of a high-performing force. And we're committed to maintaining and increasing actually our, our community policing effort but it's also the way you do that so right now in Dallow there's been a really successful Dallow Cares piece of work which you may have heard of where instead of dealing with policing challenges we've sat down with a geographic area of the community we have done, done some hard edge community uh, policing and in fact we've tackled serious and organised crime and lots of things that have you know problems that happened in that area but at the same time we've understood what the problems of the community are from their perspective we've understand what the demand on services of other sectors such as the local authority and health and therefore have worked in a much more preventative way as well so that we can provide support to individuals to stop them going down a pathway that then means they end up encountering um, committing offences and you know getting a policing response, so it's a bed and in Bedfordshire to work as a system sh- should be possible. We've only got three local authorities: a health trust, a mental health trust. You know, um, we 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 should be able to pull together as a system, and we are for the good of the community. But community policing is the policing's frontline visible method of doing that. And we are certainly uh, going to continue to support that. Um, but it's, you know, I want people to be safe in the street, but safe in their home as well. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly if you're from a, a section of the community who's in the past been less likely to reach out and ask for help if you needed it. Yeah. Well, thank you, Trevor. Thanks for your time. I won't ask the other questions that buzz around my head. I don't want to be accused of wasting police time or anything like that. But thank you very much for your time today and uh, and giving us who you are and a lot of your thinking behind things. Uh, uh, well, thank you for the, the interview, but thanks for your the help and support and advice you give to the police. You, are, you don't always, uh, you know, as you said, the critical friend. Mm. Therefore, you are often pointing out things that need addressing, so I'm grateful for that. Yeah, thanks, Trevor. Mm.